If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. It's been several weeks since we were in this Gospel, and we, we're returning back today, picking up where we left off, with verses 45 through 52. Verses 45 through 52, chapter 6 of the Gospel of Mark. While you're turning there, just share this story I read this week as we focus our attention on Jesus and intercession. Jesus and intercession. During the summer of 1904, an unlikely partnership formed at the World's Fair in St. Louis, Missouri. The summer was unusually hot. The people were all searching while they're at the fair. They were all searching for something to help cool them off. As they searched all over the fair, they found this man by the name of Arnold who had this booth. And he was selling exactly what they needed. You want to take a guess at what it might have been? Uh, wow. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was selling some cool, satisfying ice cream on this hot summer day. As a vendor he stood there at his booth and it was just so hot and everyone looking for something to cool him off. He noticed for miles, it seemed like miles as he looked down and he saw people in line. It was a good day for him, but he hadn't prepared for such a good day. He began as he's selling his ice cream to run out of paper bowls. This was posing a big problem for him. Well, next to his booth was another man who was a baker and this man he was a pastry chef and he he was he was in a predicament himself everybody was in line for ice cream nobody was wanting any hot pastry dessert of any kind so he noticed the line and he noticed the the stack of bowls were getting low so he took one of his pastries and he formed it rolled it up into the shape of a cone (laughs) he took it over to Arnold who was selling the ice cream and showed him how this cone could hold a scoop of ice cream and there at the world's fair in St. Louis the wafer ice cream cone was born. What we see in this is that Ernest interceded on Arnold's behalf. That word intercede, it means to intervene on behalf of another. Ernest noticed Arnold was in a predicament and he intervened by offering something that he could provide for him. Oswald Chambers said this, 
something to this effect anyway. He said, Jesus intercedes on our behalf in heaven. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf here on earth. And we who are born again believers are to intercede for each other always. In the day's text, when we think of intercession or interceding, we think of prayer. That's not the only way Jesus intercedes for us. And in the day's text, I want us to really see how he's interceding continually throughout our lives. The Bible tells us in Mark's gospel, chapter 6, verses 45 through 52, he says, Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And he went, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed, by, passed them by. And when, he saw, when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word. Now pierce each and every heart and use your word for your glory. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. You know, the difference in this text and in the other gospel writers is we don't see Peter walking on water. This text, it doesn't focus on Peter. It focuses on Jesus. And it wants us to really focus our attention on him and what he is doing. And what I want us to get is that Jesus is always interceding on our behalf. Now, the last time we were in Mark's gospel, we shared that the disciples had had several mountaintop experiences. And Jesus had sent them out two by two, and they preached that the people should repent. They drove out demons and anointed many sick people with oil, and, and many were healed. But Jesus notices a problem. The people continued coming and going, seeking help. So the apostles, they weren't even able to take time to eat. So Jesus says, come away by yourselves to a, a remote place and rest for a little while. Then Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, headed to a remote place for a little rest. After a little rest, it was time to get back to ministry because Jesus had saw a multitude of people who were like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. But what we had to understand was the importance of rest because, because these disciples had, had gotten some rest, they could, they could open their eyes and see ministry opportunity. 
because they had received some rest, they were able to allow their hearts to open up and desire to meet the needs of others. You know, if we truly want to do ministry, we must open our eyes and we must look at others with compassion. We must see individuals and we must see the person. I'm aware people will make decisions that I wouldn't make. People will make decisions you wouldn't make. People will make decisions that will cost them everything they have. But you and I, we don't have the privilege to focus on the decisions they made. It is our privilege to meet whatever need they have. That's what we've been called to do. And just in case you're wondering, the greatest need and the only need that most have is Jesus. There's a lot of things we desire in this life. I desired to stay warm last night. I desired Brother Henry's help on Friday morning. I desired to be able to be clothed. I desire to be able to come and worship with you, but I don't need that. I need Jesus. There's a lot of things we desire that we say we need, (laughs) but in all actuality, Jesus is all we need. You know, there are people who have lost their way. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're headed. And you know what? You and I have the map. To put them on the right path to head home in the right direction. And that map is Jesus Christ. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he is the road map that everyone in this world needs. And we are to have such compassion on people that we want to point them toward home. And the only way to do that is to point them to Jesus In this passage today, what we see is after Jesus had showed compassion upon the people who were like sheep without a shepherd, he intercedes on behalf of the disciples. And you need to understand, Jesus is aware of the temptations that's going to come your way. And he's interceding on your behalf. After they fed 5,000 men, Plus women and children. Immediately, the Bible says there in verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into a boat to go ahead of him, to go, uh, to go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. In, New King, in the King James, the Bible says, now here in New King James, he says he made his disciples leave. The, new, the, the King James translation says he constrained his disciples to leave. The word constrained, it means to compel, to force toward a course of action. This suggests that the disciples were wanting to argue against leaving Jesus. 
After Jesus sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, you may be asking, well, how is Jesus interceding on their behalf? Well, after this mountaintop experience, Jesus sends them away from the multitude of people. If Jesus would allow the disciples to stay there with the multitude, there's no telling what the disciples would have started believing about themselves. Now, according to John's gospel, Or according to his account of these events in John 6 and 15, the multitude wanted to take Jesus by force and make him a king. Jesus knew that the, how the people viewed the coming Messiah. They believed that the Messiah would come in a military force and he would lead a revolution against Rome and, and he would rule over all the earth. Jesus he didn't want to allow the disciples to get caught up in what everyone else was thinking and what everyone else wanted to do. Can't you imagine how those conversations would have gone? I know I've got some of you lost. Just stay with me. We have to think about how those conversations would have have went. Now, I imagine the people would have looked at the disciples and said, look at how Jesus used you to perform this miracle. You passed food around. And it wouldn't stop multiplying. You collected 12 baskets of fragments after. Boy, Jesus is blessing you. (laughs) Can't you see why Jesus wanted to get them away from those conversations? You know, too often we start thinking about ourselves, don't we? And we, we stop focusing on the one who's providing everything for us. But, you know, when we have mountaintop experiences, people will say things like this. Well, that lesson you taught changed my life. That song you sang spoke to me. That message you preached had a huge impact on my life. If we hear this too often, and don't get me wrong, we all need encouragement. We all need to be encouraged. Boy, this is a cruel world, and it'll beat you down. We need to encourage each other. But if we're not careful, we'll begin to believe in our own giftedness. And we'll believe that it has power to affect someone's life spiritually. Proverbs 16 and 8 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So the best thing we can do is when we're having these mountaintop experiences is to get somewhere away from people and just spend time with God, giving him glory and honor for all that he's done for us. Folks, we don't have the power to affect people spiritually. Even Jesus wouldn't, he wouldn't bask in glory. Instead, whenever anything big occurred, we find immediately he went to go be with the Father. What do you suppose he was doing? Giving God all glory for everything. Man, Monday night, I hung up the phone with Brother Greg and, and I cried. I wept right there in my office. And I prayed and I just thanked God and I praised him for what he done. And just being able to be a part of it. It was after I got myself together that I went to tell my my wife that Greg had rededicated his life. You know, I can't take anything for that. As a matter of fact, Greg can't. God done it all. (laughs) He done it all. My encouragement was go tell your wife. Call your mom and dad. And if you get a chance, call your Sunday school teacher and let him know. Because we've been having conversations about you. You know, this 
we can't take credit for what God is doing. The best thing we can do is just get away and give God praise for it all. After Jesus performed the miracles, he would go and glorify God. We can't take credit for any intelligence, any gifts that we have. God is the one that's blessed us with them. And he deserves all honor and glory. Any good we have ever done in this world amounts to his spirit working in and through us. Well, preacher, I wasn't always saved. I know that. But even for a sinner to do something good, it's only because God has something to do with it. No, we're serving, we're serving either God or we're serving Satan. If we're serving Satan, there's nothing good in us. The Bible says there is no one good. No, not one. So the only good thing that comes from us is by his spirit. Jesus, he intercedes on behalf of his disciples. Why? (laughs) You know, Jesus is aware of the trials that you're going to face. He's not aware only of the temptations that are ahead of you. He's aware of the trials that are ahead of you. Notice there in verses 47 through 48, or the first part of 48. He says here, he says, Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And when he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. A storm that came up while disciples were crossing the sea. Now, this is what's really interesting. The Bible says it was about the fourth watch. To understand the Roman clock or the Roman time, to understand those four watches, the, uh, the first watch began somewhere between 6 p.m. and it went to around 9 p.m. That's the first watch. The se- second watch was from 9 p.m. to midnight. And there from midnight to 3 a.m. was the third watch. The fourth watch was around 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. You're, you're probably wondering, why is the watch those 12 hours? Well, in those 12 hours, it, the sun would set. And, and whenever there's darkness around, evil's always present. And so you had to be on watch. And this was a Around the fourth watch. So they left at evening. And now it's around the fourth watch. And Jesus is standing on the land in flesh. Like you and I. And he sees them. <laughs> you didn't hear me. They left at evening. And now it's the fourth watch. Jesus is standing on the shore and he sees them out in the sea. (laughs) It would appear these boys had been rowing all night long. Estimate around six to nine hours they've been rowing in the face of the wind. Now, they they tell us... (laughs) You can find this in geography, but the, this sea that they were on was around six miles wide. According to scripture, they were about three miles in. After six to nine hours of rowing, they're only three miles in. That'll give you an idea of, of what they were facing, won't it? It'll help you understand that there was a strong wind in front of them. 
They covered three miles in six to nine hours. As a matter of fact, when Jesus begins walking on the water, the Bible says he could have passed by them. He could have just walked right by them. (laughs) These men were in trouble. And Jesus saw their trouble. Now, don't miss this. They were three miles out in sea. Jesus is on land, robed in flesh, and he saw them three miles out. I don't know if you've watched the movie. Some of you have, I'm pretty sure. The movie American Sniper. It's about Chris Kyle, played by Bradley Cooper. And Chris Kyle is, is considered the, the most deadly marksman the U.S. military has ever had. He is credited for 255 kill shots, 160 confirmed by the Department of, of, uh, by the Department of Defense. On Kyle's fourth tour, he took four tours to, to the war in Iraq. On his fourth tour, his sniper team was placed on a rooftop inside enemy territory, and he spots this enemy sniper, his counterpart, while on there. This counterpart is 2,100 yards away. He's one mile, 1.2 miles, 1.193. Let's round that up. 1.2 miles away. He didn't see him with the naked eye. He was looking through a, tel- he was th- looking through a telescope, a high-powered, highly technological telescope as a sniper for the United States Marines, and he sees his counterpart. No one sees him. They yell at Chris and says, don't shoot. Don't shoot. It's too big of a risk. Once you shoot, they're going to hear it. They'll know where you're at. You will not hit him. He says, I got the shot. I got the shot. He's one mile away. No one can see this man. He's looking through a high-powered scope. But he sees him. Jesus is on the shore. Three miles away. And he sees their trouble. (laughs) You're not with me, are you? You're not with me, are you? Jesus is three miles away and he sold their trouble. What I want us to see is no matter where we are, he sees your trouble. No, it, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, he sees your trouble. It doesn't matter how low you've gotten, he sees your trouble. It don't matter how deep you've been buried, he sees your trouble. When you think no one cares for you, he sees your trouble. When you feel you can't be rescued, he sees your trouble. Jesus intercedes on behalf of his disciples. He sees their trouble. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus is aware of their troubles. He's aware of their trials. And he is the answer for our troubles and our trials. You know, I I used to listen to Reverend Harry Clark Jr., former pastor at Wagram Church of God. I used to listen to him almost every opportunity I had. If I was in a vehicle around the time his radio um, program come on, I would listen to it. I just, there's something captivating about his voice. You could hear it on 100.9 around our area. And he would open up, his radio ministry would open up with the song that Andre Crouch wrote and recorded. 
Some of you may remember it. Uh, <laughs> Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. You remember that, don't you? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Here in the midst of trouble and trial, the disciples were about to find out just how true the words of Andre Crouch really are. Picture this. These seasoned fishermen have been on the sea for six to nine hours. They've only traveled three miles. Let me put that in perspective. A nice brisk walk and you can travel three miles in an hour. A nice brisk walk you can travel three miles in an hour. Some, I've done it in 45 minutes. Walking. Six to nine hours, and they've went three miles. Rowing as hard as they can. Imagine they're wore out. Jesus sees their trouble, and he's seeing the trial that they're in, and he begins to walk on the sea. As he's heading toward the boat the disciples are in, they spot him, but they don't recognize him. The winds are blowing. The sea is raging. And here they thought they're seeing a ghost. As Jesus was gaining ground on the boat, the men cried out in fear. But when they heard his voice, he said, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. You know, it's amazing how fear can overwhelm us. But once we hear and recognize the voice of God, all fear vanishes. Have you ever been there? The word, you've got news you didn't want to get. And and it just broke your heart and you were troubled and you didn't know how you were going to get through the news. And and then all of a sudden you hear the voice of God and you know without a shadow shadow of doubt that it's him comforting you. and, And all fear is gone. You're no longer overwhelmed. But you have peace because you know he's bigger than that trial. He's bigger than the trouble. These men were terribly afraid, but the sound of Jesus' voice calmed their fear. I want to remind us of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Jesus got in the boat, the wind ceased. Disciples were greatly amazed. They, the Bible says they were amazed beyond measure. Jesus interceded for them. He came to their rescue in the midst of their trouble and trial. Now the verses of Andre Crouch's song, the first verse says something like this. If you have some questions in the corners of your mind and traces of discouragement and peace you cannot find, reflections of the old past they seem to face you every day there's one thing I know for sure that Jesus is the way that second verse it says I know you've got mountains you think you cannot climb I know your skies have been dark you think the sun won't shine in case you don't know I'm here to tell you the word of God is true 
And everything he promised, he would do it for you. (laughs) Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Those of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have an enemy who is attacking us. He is going before the throne of God and he's accusing us day and night. But Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. Some, maybe most of what we are being accused of is exactly true. (laughs) But Jesus is there to say, but this one's with me. (laughs) I saw them when they were in trouble. I heard their cry in the midst of their trial. And when they recognized the only answer to their situation is to have, is to call upon my name. I came to them and now he or she is with me. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want you to know that Jesus is interceding on your behalf right now. What do you mean, preacher? By his spirit, he is constraining you. How do I know that? You're here today. You're not here by accident. You're not here only because someone invited you. You're not here only because you felt encouraged to come. You're here because there was a divine appointment for you to be in this place today. This was the time that you would come so that you would witness people worshiping God, so that you would witness a testimony of salvation, so that you could hear people sing songs from Zion, so that you could hear the word of God preached. God constrained you to come here and you came. Yes, he is interceding on your behalf. He is compelling you to change your direction. You're heading down a wide road, and this wide road leads to destruction. He sees you right where you are. He sees your despair. He sees the trouble that is ahead of you. He sees that you're weary, and he's calling out to you. Come to me. You are laboring. In this trial that you're in, you don't have to face it alone. Call out to me, for I'm the answer to your troubles and trials. I will give you peace, and I will place you on my narrow path, and I'll walk with you, and I'll talk with you. Call out to me, and I will give you rest. That's what he's saying to you right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe... Someone is here today that Jesus is speaking to. Maybe you're watching online and Jesus is speaking to you right now. By his spirit, he is compelling you to come to him. Because you desperately will need him to intercede on your behalf in heaven. Today, today, I want to ask you, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is God's only begotten son? Do you believe he was born of a virgin? Born in a, in a stable and laid in a lowly manger, wrapped up in just strips of cloth, kept warm by the breath of animals. 
Do you believe that he is God's son? The only begotten of the father. That he came to this world to give you life. By taking your death upon himself. Do you believe that he lived a sinless life? They nailed him to a cross. Suspended him between heaven and earth. And when he had fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures, the promise of our God, he said, it is finished. The old, the, the perfect spotless lamb of God had given himself for all mankind. Do you believe this? Do you believe they placed him in a borrowed tomb and on the third day when they went to the tomb he was gone he had been raised from the dead conquering death hell in the grave he was raised in power and he did this for you to take the sting of death away from you so that you won't have to fear death so that death would no longer be an enemy but would be your avenue it would be your friend be an avenue to God and he'd be a friend to you do you believe that if you believe this and you recognize that you are a sinner in need of a savior if you'll just call out to him maybe right now you you want to call out to him. God, I know Jesus is your son. I know he lived for me. I know he died for me and he rose for me. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your mercy, but God, I'm calling out to you. I need Jesus right now. Thank you, God. Thank you for saving me because by faith I receive him as my savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin and making me whole. Now help me live for you in this cruel and dark world. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, if this is you, you've prayed this and you've meant it sincerely from the bottom of your heart. I believe you've done enough to be saved, but it doesn't matter what I believe about you. What matters is what's between you and God. If you believe right now that you've just received Jesus as your Savior, why don't you tell someone? If you're online and you're watching, why don't you call someone or put something in the, in the comments to let us know that you received Jesus. But if you're here, why don't you just come and whisper to me, Jesus is my Savior. I've received him today. As the church, as the trio begins to lead us in the song of invitation, as the church is praying right now, would you come tell me that you've received Jesus as your Savior? Would you come?